Welcome to A Pair of Bookends, the book club you can carry anywhere. We are your hosts and hopefully your new bookish pals. I'm Hannah MacDonald. And I'm Lydia Clare. Welcome back to another episode in our debut Spotlight series, where we shine a light on the freshest authors and their debut novels. Today we look at Collected Work, a compelling, thrilling and immense novel that focuses on the passing of youth in an epic tale about a Swedish publisher whose wife mysteriously goes missing. Described by the Times as Sweden's Sally Rooney, Lydia Sandgren is a practicing psychologist and writer from Sweden. Lydia is no stranger to her family saga as the eldest of seven siblings and alike to her characters in collected works, she has kept herself immersed in the world of art and thought by studying music and philosophy and going on to spend 10 years on the manuscript that became collected works. This astonishing debut won Lydia the prestigious August Prize in 2020 and sold over 100,000 copies in Sweden alone. At the time of recording, Collected Works has now been translated into English by Agnes Brumier and will be published in the UK tomorrow. And we are so excited to have Lydia joining us today. So Lydia, welcome to A Pair of Bookends. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining me Such a nice presentation. I'm so happy to talk to you. <laughs> Good. <laughs> we love to wax lyrical about you. It's true. It's true. Um, so we always like to start our interviews by asking, what are you currently reading? Actually, I started to read Carl Uwe Knausgård's My Struggle series when I became a parent six months ago. Uh, Congratulations. I had a time. <laughs> I felt that finally I can read it. So now I'm, I'm reading the last book. You know, it's huge. Uh, number six in the series. It's wonderful. I mean... You're not uh, really a stranger to a big novel, are you? Let's face it, because you've written one. <laughs> no, but w- when I read it, I, I am um, thinking all the time, how can you? How can he have written so much? It's immense. It's huge. Who can? What kind of person does this? I might be one of them. Lydia, uh, my Lydia, (laughs) when uh, opening the package of your book, almost killed her child because of how big it was. So, (laughs) Mitchley nearly dropped it on his head. I love it. So we have been starting our debut spotlight episodes by asking debut authors to tell us how their experience has been in having their debut published. Now, your book was published in Sweden in 2020 and is now being published in the UK. And obviously it was so well received at the time. So I would love to know what your experience has been like, how it feels having it so well received and what the experience has been like in having it translated. Well, uh, it's uh, it's been a fantastic uh, three years I have to say I I did not expect this kind of reception you know I was writing it all alone for 10 years I had no contact with a publisher and nobody really read it a chapter here and there you know but I had no real reader uh, while writing the book so I was basically all alone for a decade and when I finally submitted the manuscript I sent it to like the biggest publisher in Sweden and uh, I remember I was like sitting at the table and I wonder, was wondering, what the hell have I done? <laughs> uh, they would laugh and laugh and laugh. This is so crazy. Who would accept this kind of manuscript? And uh, it was, you know, I had this sense of, you know, taking a really big risk because nobody, I hadn't, you know, tested it to anybody. And so 
when it was actually accepted, and then I, I worked with the manuscript a lot, and when it came out, it, it was so like profound, uh, really profound uh, experience for me because it changed everything. I wanted to write all my life. I have been writing since I was a little kid, and to actually have readers, uh, somebody who, who wants to read your book and who does it and who have thoughts and uh, interpretations of it, it's, it's one of the biggest things that happened to me, actually, because also it made it possible for me to write more. It like opened a door for me to being an author, which to me means writing every day and having somebody to read it, which is all I, I've ever wanted. And what was your writing process like in those 10 years? Because obviously that's such a huge period of time. So what was the what was the process like? Did you ever feel like giving up? Or did you sit down for an hour every day? Like, how did it work? I never really thought about giving up. I decided I have to finish this and I will, I will, I will finish it, this book and I will send it to a publisher and that will be it. If they don't take it, so be it. Then I could give up, maybe. But I had to do it. I had to give it a real try. But I very, very often I doubted what I was doing, and I was wondering if if this is really the right way to move forward. You know, should I really keep up walking this very, very, very long road? Is it a good idea, or am I being crazy? <laughs> and that was a common thought. <laughs> and I, I worked for the first five years I was studying, and for the last five years of writing, I, I started to work as a psychologist and I, I actually wrote the greater part of the novel while working eight hours a day uh, in a psychiatric clinic. Wow. So I had to work a little every morning and I could work a little every night and in the weekends. So I became disciplined and I, I really somehow, I think, I started to write much more seriously when time was so limited. I had huge amounts of time while being a student and I wrote a lot as well, but you know, you, you can always do, do it tomorrow. <laughs> It's uh, I, I could sit for ages, you know, with the chapter and, uh, and the stories. Like it's so it's such a big story uh, with a lot of plot lines and uh, characters. And I actually I remembered recently because I found a lot of old manuscripts, like Martin does in the opening scene. <laughs> when I, I moved a year ago and I found this huge box with a lot of papers in it, and it was old collected works manuscripts. Uh, and I read some of it, and I had completely forgotten about this character and this plot line and I just you know I could throw away years of work maybe not throw away because it's always it always leads somewhere else I think but uh, I really it really took a long time for me to really learn how to write mm. how to cast story and how to how to write you know with my own voice and not imitating Vladimir Nabokov for example which I did <laughs> for a couple of years and it's the it's really it's it's really not easy uh to write in a natural way that is close to your own way of speaking and your own voice in a in a literal and a metaphorical way. It's such a, it's so fascinating to think about, you know, uh, when you were talking about those kind of characters that you lose and the things that you lose in the edit and the drafts, you know, the countless drafts that you end up making. What is that like for you to just kind of letting things go? Are you quite good at letting letting characters go, or are you kind of like, no, it, I want to keep every single sentence I've ever written. I have I have uh, uh, taught myself to cut and love it. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I've learned to love the red ink <laughs> and I edit a lot 
while writing. And as I mentioned before, I always feel that even if I take a wrong turn, eventually it will lead me right or it will lead me to something that's worth saving. And very early on in the process, I, I learned that I, I should cut out everything that didn't sound good. And if a page just cut everything except for one sentence, that sentence would be good and it would be worth it. So I'm, and I, I like rewriting as well. I do it like I can't, you know, write a story from A to B. Uh, it, it goes all kinds of circles. It, it, it grows organically very much. And it's hopeless because you can never send a chapter. I was reading Thomas Mann. Uh, I was reading his diaries uh, when I had my baby and I was breastfeeding and it was perfect to read a diary because it, it's all the same thing every day. So I forgot, but it didn't really uh, matter. <laughs> but I learned that the Thomas Mann, he, he writes literally from A to B and every day he reads a chapter aloud to his family or not every day, but every week. Uh, and then he's finished with the book and he sends it off to his publisher. <laughs> and I was so jealous. I <laughs> I wish I could do that. It would be wonderful to have just a chapter finished and you could give it to your publisher and to a friend or your husband or whoever to read. But I have these fragments and pages and drafts and I have to like, puzzle it all together and it's such tedious work sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like a very grueling process. I'm seeing it. <laughs> Moving on to the book itself, I mean, I would be absolute liar if I didn't say that me and Hannah have just both absolutely loved the experience of reading this book. Uh, and the fact that it was quite a hefty tome, it's a big book, has just made it even more exciting. And I am terrified of books that size, aren't I, Led? Like, yeah, she's got a book. And when I saw how long it was, I was like, oh no, I really hope I love this. And I was so like pleasantly surprised, you know, I got a few pages into it and I was sucked straight in and I didn't yeah. want it to end. So when when you've got a book that size and you don't want it to end, like that's a very good sign. Yeah. <laughs> I take that really as a compliment. And I thought a lot about readers when I when I wrote it. I thought that if I'm going to expect anybody to read this, I have it, I have to make it readable. It have to be, I didn't think at the time I wanted to write a page turner, but I, I wanted to write something that you could read like, like when you were a child, like childhood reading, just delve into the book and stay there. And then you come up to the surface like it happened. <laughs> Uh, but that was what I wanted to achieve. Absolutely. And I feel like you really did. And what I, I really enjoyed about it is that we do get to see the characters over great kind of swathes of time. And a lot of the book is it, about youth and the passing of time and youthfulness and what that means. Why did you want to kind of explore the topic of, of this passing of time and, and of losing your youth? That's a very good question. Actually, the passing of time was one of my, I had some like starting points. I, I didn't have the the story when I started to write, but I had some, you know, points that I wanted to explore or, or themes or topics and motives. And the passing of time and youth growing into adulthood was one. And I was very young myself starting out on this book. I was 20, 22 something. And um, still I had this fascination. I was always, since I was a child, very fascinated with the past and not not the lo long lost past like 
18th, 100th century, but, you know, the past that was just in the corner of your eye, like the 80s when my parents were young and the 70s when, when the world was pretty much like my own world, but still not really the same. And we had this huge attic at my house, my parents' house, and it was full of old stuff from my grandparents. My, my father cleaned it out totally. He threw everything away when I was 15, 16 or something. And I, I remember it, I felt so sad about it. I mean, I couldn't, it's his house. It can do what he wants with, with the stuff in the attic. And it was probably a big risk for fire. But when I was a child, it was such a sense of mystery and, uh, you know, like time packed tightly together up there in the attic. And I, I wanted to preserve something of, of this, the past that is not really long gone yet, but soon to be. And I choose to write, uh, to, to place the story in a time like the 80s, which I haven't really, since I'm born in 1987, I didn't experience it myself, but it was just in the corner of my eye. And uh, I think I was also some way thinking a lot about what's going to happen to me, my own, you know, coming of age process. Uh, like I wanted to write and I wanted to read, but I decided early on that I cannot be a writer or I cannot like strive for being a writer. I, I need to have a real job. So I choose to educate an education to to become a psychologist which was very fun i i have never regretted that but i thought i need to have a real job in order to write and uh, so, so this question of actually achieving something of having a dream and actually realizing it that that was very central to me well until i actually finished the book and it was published uh, and i think i put a lot of that into uh, martin uh, one of the main characters in the book uh, who, who wants to become a writer but he never really succeeds mainly because he he loves literature and he's a big reader and he eventually becomes a publisher and a pretty good one but uh, he doesn't really want to write <laughs> I think he likes to have the Britain or he, he likes the idea of himself writing. But um, in the actual moment when he sits down to write, he rarely feels like that's the right thing to do. There are lots of obstacles or inner obstacles for him. And um, so I think I could like place all my anguish about not becoming a writer <laughs> in Martin. <laughs> Absolutely. There's a great scene with Martin where he goes to, he's, he's writing his epic novel, his epic um, book, and he sits and, he, and he's like, make sure all the aesthetics are right. So he's got, you know, typewriter and he's got this here and he's trying to get the cigarette to dangle just perfectly. And because <laughs> that's what uncool people do. And it's just, and then he goes to write and he's like, I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> it's like, why? It's also when um is it how do you pronounce his name is it Per 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 Per, per. um when he goes to Per and they've got this publishing company together and he says you know I, I need to write this novel I've been trying to write it for, and then Per goes okay right here is um a time frame you could take a month take a month and you can every morning you don't need to come in Tuesday to Thursday you don't need to come in until the afternoon and you've got your mornings ahead of you da, da, da. and he's like uh well um I'm not sure how this is going to work and then he's like right okay I'll give it a try and then he goes home and he's like can see the the dust on the window because of the sun and he he needs to clean the window and then he's like I'll just make myself a cup of coffee and then <laughs> it's like yeah. everything every kind of excuse in the book <laughs> <laughs> it's not getting this book written <laughs>
I think he he really doesn't. Well, I I shouldn't. I don't, I don't like the idea of, of me, you know, knowing all the answers to to the questions in the this novel. But I, I have thought of Martin as a person who really don't dare uh, to to risk the picture of himself as someone who could have been a writer. And um, if if he actually would given would have given it a try, and there w- there would be a real book. Uh, not just his fantasy book, you know. And this transformation of fantasy to something real, I have been, uh, like, obsessed with that. Uh, it's it's uh, always, um, when I write, uh, that's one of my main topics. Uh, and I think it has been for me personally as well. It's so hard to actually do something. It's hard to read a book. Like, I read Thomas Mann, I was talking about Thomas Mann. I read The Magic Mountain, and I had to make this project of it uh, with a friend. I have a podcast with a friend of mine, and we read classical books that we haven't read, that you should have read, like The Magic Mountain. And... Uh, I loved the book, but it was so hard. Uh, it took it took forever to read it. It's it's a big. It's really <laughs> who does that? <laughs> and now, uh, having read it, I think about it once a week, and I and I I look forward to read it again. But it was such big work actually doing it. Um, and um, it's um, I think uh, Martin is he can't really. Maybe you need to really really want something or really really. Love like it like you have to find it such a big pleasure in writing to actually do it over time and i don't think he does i think he does in reading uh, he loves to read and, and reading follows him all through his life but writing is really hard and, and you have to think it's fun yeah it, it sounds rather trivial but uh, to me it's um well it took some time to find out how to do it <laughs> I uh, I did feel slightly attacked because there are uh, the start of a novel sat in my laptop and a couple of plays that I've not yet finished. And as me and Lydia have said many times on the podcast, we're both actors, but I like to uh, dabble in writing sometimes. And I like to think, you know, that maybe one day I'll write some big stage play or I'm going to write a novel. But <laughs> when I was reading this book, I was like, am I Martin? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> Martin, it's not bad, and uh, I think I think that he he's actually he just doesn't really understand that his real talent is in publishing, and I think he starts to understand like in the uh, in the end of the book, it's it's a kind of what you call it atonement uh, for him, like le- actually leaving his youthful dreams and turning towards what he actually did accomplish, which is a publishing house and two kids who has grown up without a mother and he he's uh, he, he's been taking responsibility he's the only character in the novel that really does and so being martin that's not bad uh and i i don't uh, i'm not sure martin never will write maybe he will after 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 this book <laughs> outside of the framework of collected works maybe he you need sometimes to have some exper- experience of not really making it or like giving up something and then you can actually do it like you you surrender and then first first after you have surrendered you can achieve something so maybe one day That's plenty with <laughs> maybe jump off of the drawer. I think you know what was so fascinating as well in the book that definitely came across is like how 
people are so obsessed with the idea of like legacy and I think definitely we see it a lot more now with like the rise in social media and stuff you know people are so obsessed with like being a significant individual and I definitely got a sense of that and I don't know if it's a thing with creatives or what but you really got a sense of like his his sort of him ideal idealizing that's not a word is it is it <laughs> it didn't sound like a word when I said it idealizing this like idea of him as a novelist it felt like he was more attached to the idea of it because that would make him significant you know it's not that he actually wants to write the novel and he I don't, I don't know like it's not like he wants to do it he, he more wants to be seen as that person and have that perception of himself out in in the public eye I guess and I found that really fascinating about him and uh but because I know I have so many questions and I've got so many things that I want to speak about I really wanted to ask before I got into my questions about the book um was about the title of the novel which is something that that really intrigued me and I don't want to forget to ask about it because it felt very tongue-in-cheek and um it's quite an amusing title and I wanted to know what the choice was behind this title well it's a part part a joke and part something I just came up with very 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 early on I had this I had this um when I started to write I thought how hard can it be how hard can it be to write a novel I just start and <laughs> And I just made a lot of notes about everything. And on page two of this uh, of this document that eventually became hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of papers, I wrote collected works, a title. And there was something that was so compelling about, you know, having a collected works is like the biggest the biggest thing on the shelf, basically. <laughs> and to have and to write a debut novel and call it collected <laughs> it's so fun. Uh, and also when people asked me what I was writing, I could always say, I'm writing on my collected works. And they come out. Well, <laughs> crazy. Uh, and, but I really like it because it's, it's, I think the novel basically is about, you know, a whole life. What, what do you do with your life? Uh, not only like what what you write, what you accomplish, but what you do with it uh, in terms of re- relationships and uh, responsibility and uh, growing up and uh, trying to like be a good person or whatever. So I choose it right from the very beginning. And this book was called uh, Collected Works, and it was never a question for me to to call it anything else. But it's been confusing. We had to put on the on the front page a debut novel. <laughs> In order not to confuse people when it came up. <laughs> yeah, when I first saw Collected Works, I was like, oh, like, why have I not, why have I not heard of her before? Like, I, <laughs> like, have I been living under a rock? And then I realised that it was the name of the novel. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's a very good title, though. It's a very good title. Absolutely brilliant title. I love it. If you if something makes you laugh and it's like you have this kind of oh this is a really good joke. It yes. Does. It's, um, I mentioned before uh, having fun. I I couldn't have written this book without having a lot of fun <laughs> while I did it. Uh, so I it's uh, very I try to amuse myself uh, and I think I hope that comes through in in translation. That's kind of tongue in cheek ish. It definitely does. It definitely Absolutely. does. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you definitely feel the humour all the way through. And like, I'm a stickler for like, I, I, you've got to have a bit of humour in it. Oh, it yes. has to be there. Otherwise, I'm just going to get bored. <laughs> and it's just brilliant. It really is. But I literally, I can't let you go without talking about uh, my 
favourite character of all time, who is Gustav, and who's just for anyone that that would like an idea of who Gustav is, he's he's kind of the epitome of like nineteen eighties kind of listens to the Smiths, British <laughs> culture. He'd be at the hacienda. He'd be you know absolutely filthy, but creating the best art that there's ever existed and passing it off as like it's nothing he's just so vivid so eternally young at heart creative chaotic i mean he's just incredible can you tell us a little bit about your inspiration behind creating him and what it was like to create him well i loved to write about him and i think i wanted him to be a kind of person that you could actually fall fall in love with and um, for martin he's just this he he like rocks martin's world when when martin and gustav gets to know each other that it's like overwhelming for Martin and, and Gustav is besides uh, Cecilia who he marries the most important person and I, I felt I, I wanted I, I have no real you know inspiration it's not like I I draw a model of somebody I, I know but he's maybe like my own idealized version of a, a kind of artist and also someone I really uh, wish I had known myself yes like <laughs> I would really like to hang out with him. It would be so great to see him over a beer. And you're talking about art and you're going to a party with Gustav. That would be great. And um, I've had a lot of good friends growing up, but I never had someone like Gustav. And uh, so I may, maybe, I never had this thought before, but maybe it's kind of a fantasy friend, uh, like you have when you're a child. And, and you know, Martin, I like Martin too. And I, I miss Martin uh, very much uh, now that I I no longer write about him but Gustav was written with a sense of you know wonder and fun and uh, like ev- anything could happen uh, so when, when Gustav enters the page it's like you never know what's going on mm. actually it took me three or four years until I realized uh, in the beginning it was just Martin and Cecilia and I had this feeling that something's missing and I, I didn't know how to continue and something was not right and well one day I just uh, uh, realized but of course, Martin has a best friend. Okay, his name is Gustav. Who is he? And I just started to write. And he appeared out of nowhere with his like ragged coat and, you know, hair like Johnny Rotten and a beer in one hand, a cigarette. And it was so lovely to write about him. I Never a dull moment with Gustav. <laughs> and like Ra- Raquel, she can be, you know, a little bit uh, square and uh, held back. And uh, I had to work a lot with Raquel but Gustav was always very easy and um, I uh, I do miss him a lot uh, actually. Well when you talk about him being your your kind of fantasy imaginary friend like he is he is my best friend like I want I want to keep him forever because <laughs> I just love him. <laughs> That's nice to hear that it's uh, I really I'm really happy uh, with having written about people that seem they, they just step out the page and pe- people want to keep them and uh, they become real uh, in some way and, and maybe not in the way that I intended but that's not uh, the, the, the most important part that uh, you know my idea comes through but that you can do like you can fill them up with your own uh, with your own sense and your own fantasy and your own you get your own picture of them I'm very happy to hear he, he, he like really exists to you in some way. He really does. He really does. <laughs> I feel like I've got a picture of him in a t-shirt, like a 
band t-shirt with just good stuff on because I know exactly what it looks like and everything. <laughs> and it's uh, sometimes when I Google myself, you know, you get these um, other people uh, wanted to know about uh, suggestions and people Google Gustav Becker and also uh, William Wallace oh, wow. and <laughs> the <Agonia> Days. <laughs> Which is a lot of people in Sweden. They, 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 William Wallace. Who's that? Oh, I must miss that. Oh, and they, you know, go go out to Google him. And no, no, no. What should I read? Um, but you're educating a nation, clearly. <laughs> but they, they do like all the characters do feel really like fleshed out and so vivid and real. And I just think it just blows my mind that this is a debut novel. Please don't ever stop writing because <laughs> I need more from you. Don't just be. Don't just throw this out there and not do anything again please 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 write more <laughs> please please write more <laughs> i do i write every day but since i'm su such a slow writer it takes a lot of time but i i think it's worth it actually if i tried to publish uh, collected works after you know five or seven years it wouldn't have been as good a lot on it and it was uh, worth the time i think i'm, I'm really pleased with how the book ended up as you should be <laughs> absolutely i'm like that never have done that when i was 25 or 27 even i had to you know mature a little uh before actually finishing it now obviously the book is is told from martin and raquel's perspective raquel have i said her name right yeah in swedish it would be raquel but uh, raquel. in britain says raquel's yeah <laughs> And you've got <laughs> a doctor art northern accent on it as well. So, <laughs> but obviously it's told from their their perspectives, and the sort of the the concept of perspective and of perception seem to be like really important topics in the book and sort of the the balancing act between truth and fiction now how much did your background in psychology influence your writing of these topics and how did you sort of separate your your views of these characters separate your views in the sense of yourself as you as psychologist and you as writer a good question and a hard one too because yes <laughs> i feel like psychology and writing uh, or clinical practice in writing it's for me very like, intertwined so I can't really separate them and I think um, being a writer and not least a reader has helped me a lot in my clinical work and you know understanding people and talking to them and uh, and actually exploring the mind of something some something I can't really relate to something that is you know deeply like far far away from what I myself have thought and experienced and felt in life uh, but but having read a lot of novels has really helped me i think becoming a better uh, psychologist and i sometimes you know people approach me with different ideas of you know cecilia maybe has this diagnosis or maybe is she autistic and i i never wanted to write that kind of you know case story because i don't really believe in that it's, it's a huge and complicated question but i think psychology is so very very complex and once you're starting to think that okay now I, I will write about someone who has attached attachment issues now I would write about someone who has borderline personality that's not a, a good point of starting a, a work because 
what is that? What is a borderline personality? What is being autistic? Uh, a real a, a person, uh, anybody, is always so much more than the theories, uh, psychological theories can can say. Uh, so we, we use them as a kind of map, but it's not a full map. Uh, and it's a big difference between the map and the territory. You know, the map be, being diagnosis and theories and territory being a real person. And I I think maybe the, like, the common part or like where it overlaps for me is curiosity and to try to find the right question like which which question will lead me forward and uh, not providing answers not to my clients and not to my readers and it's an always stay curious and try to like see what's behind why why did this happen okay so now here we have martin and gustav what did he do i don't know i have to find out yeah and uh, i know i always when i see a new client i'm always uh, i think it's such fun a new person i don't know who will this what will it be like who am i going to meet it's uh it's so much um, so stimulating actually uh, not knowing and I really like not knowing and I think I have to keep uh, cling on to that you know it's very tempting to provide answers to tell a person oh okay uh, A and B and C led you here so and you and if you do uh, this and this and this it will be fine and you will be a happy person it doesn't work like that and if somebody tries to tell you that you should go away but <laughs> Not true, you know. No. And, and I want the novel writing to be like that as well. Like I'm not. I don't know what's going to happen. And some sometimes I uh, I love when I, I'm surprised when I hear something or I write something that I didn't think of. And this moment of finding out or being surprised. Price. It's. Uh, I. I want to keep track on that. You know. Absolutely. And I. Th- I feel like a lot. Like I mean, me and Hannah disagree with this. Hannah likes her questions answered in books, and I like my questions unanswered. <laughs> And we were always, always arguing over this. She's like, I need answers. And I'm like, no, don't tell me anything. Keep it vague. <laughs> but we, so that is always how we, we approach our, our reading. But I found that, that with the character Cecilia, kind of her absence from the book, you know, she, she, when we first meet Martin, it's Martin's wife I'm talking about here. She's, she's been absent. She's an absent mother. She's an absent wife, an absent friend, an absent daughter. And this, uh, on the face of it, this book feels like, oh, we're just going to find out about why she's missing. And it's not that at all. It's about the ramifications of her absence and about, for me, it was more about kind of what is left in that space that she left, what can be explored there. And it's such a fascinating subject. And it is one of those things where we don't find out all the answers. And this isn't a, a spoiler at all. You know, this is just life, right? We're not going to find out every single thing that happens. And I found that to be the most satisfying bit and I know people would disagree with me they don't <laughs> um, but I loved I love the fact that we don't we don't get all the answers in this book what were you wanting to do by by kind of keeping Cecilia absent in that novel I think you put it very well her absence is um, I wanted to explore like what's around the absence and I thought of her as like a black hole you know something that everybody uh, you can't see it it's really nothing it's an absence but everything gravitates around it and um, I I decided early on that I didn't want Cecilia to speak for herself 
uh, she's always pictured by other people's stories or Gustav's paintings or her and Martin's stories and, and uh, Raquel's memories. And I wanted to to like like draw her contours with the help with the pictures of her in the stories, which are not truthful, you know. So I wanted to keep the the mystery because uh, I think, as you said, we don't get all the answers. Uh, life is that like that all the time, and we, especially in love in love stories or uh, in in uh, our relationships with our parents or children there are always so much so much mystery what why did this happen why did she do that and why didn't he answer and what does he want and you don't get the answers or you have to think for yourself and you can try to force the world to answer you but probably even if they try to it, it won't be satisfying and uh, i really enjoy reading as a way of you know trying to understand the world around me and people around me and um, I think the good authors they they can like tell tell a story that you feel is like true. There's deep truth here, but but no answer really. It's it's not a you know solution or a, you can't really say okay so this and this and this and this and this and that and this is the answer to everything. But you still get a sense of truth of like human truth or emotional truth. And um, the novel itself can be that I think even with all its mysteries unsolved. And um, another aspect of this is that when I started to write about Cecilia, I, I thought I needed to know everything about her. But I was very, very young and most of all, I didn't have any ch children. And I think I couldn't have written about a woman who abandons her family, you know, being a 25-year-old psychology student with no kids. I, I couldn't have done that. Maybe in, uh, in a couple of years when I have learned uh, a little bit more more about motherhood, I, I would have been able to tell that kind of story. But I felt that was a limit. My my own experience was a limit as well, because it's it's really so hard to understand how can she leave? How is that possible? At the same time, a lot of people abandon their kids, but they just they don't go away. They just do it mentally or emotionally, and and they're they are there in the kitchen drinking coffee, but they are still gone. Yeah. But it's also interesting that sort of the gender disparities with that in that it would be more frowned upon for a woman to be absent than it is for the man to be absent. And I think that's what's so fascinating about Cecilia as a character is is kind of what she represents. And, you know, she represents sort of the, the pressures and the societal expectations of women and of especially of women as, a mo as, as mothers. And I think, yeah, it just really kind of called to mind that men would not be treated in the same way that she is you know if martin had walked out on them it, it wouldn't her their their circle of friends and their family wouldn't have reacted in the same way yeah and i just think that's why she's so interesting she's a uh, maybe she's a kind of imaginary friend for me as well because you know she's so i never met anybody like her or actually it ha she has something of you know this she's so determined and um at extreme, she she can't compromise, and um, she I think also that she she has a really hard time living in the common world, you know, with other people, and that reminds me of some people I have met in life, but but mostly this this kind of extreme uh, devotion to intellectual work is something I I wouldn't call it an ideal for for myself because I don't think it would be a good thing to be like Cecilia, but she really is amazing. She definitely has 
has that sense like she's she's very flawed but she's kind of unapologetic about the fact that she's flawed yes and i think that's the kind of like pull to her yeah i just really loved the way that you wrote her so <laughs> oh, it's like to meet her actually now talking it's like revisiting the book and, and uh, seeing them with your eyes and i feel very strongly now that i would really like to meet cecilia i remember there was many years ago in paris and i was thought i should do some research for the novel and i was walking around and i was all alone very very much alone and i went to a restaurant and it was no fun i had nobody to talk to and i just sat there everybody was there with friends and uh, i felt like what am i doing here and i i didn't talk to anybody for several days and i i was walking the streets and i really felt this deep sadness when i realized they do not exist martin and cecilia do not exist only in my mind and i can't talk to them i really wanted to and um well i think reading and writing is um it can be when it's good you're not alone it makes you less alone in the world absolutely i think as well we we talk about those imaginary friends and things but they i'm afraid that now we have all stolen your friends and now they're all our friends (laughs) (laughs) we're all a community now anyone that's read this book will know (laughs) I really hope that is the case. And I would also really like to, if I could get Cecilia to write, uh, go back and write my dissertation bibliography, that'd be great if she could do that. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like she'd be quite good at that. Yeah, I do. I don't even know how we've hit this time because I feel like there's so much in this book to talk about and we've we've barely scratched the surface. But there are so many incredible vivid characters in the book and it's just so well written. They're so fleshed out and they do feel like people that you know. Like I was so excited to pick the book up again and carry on finding out about their stories and their worlds. And yeah, I just I wish I could have stayed in their world for so much longer. But that is kind of the beauty of, of literature as there, that you can you can spend some time with these characters and these people and then you kind of leave them and then let them go we can go back someday i, I can go back i will be reread yes absolutely absolutely i and think if it if it is if the book had it been any bigger uh my wrist would not have coped so <laughs> let's just say it it's good <laughs> I'd just like to like to ask before you go, do we, and please don't say I have to wait 10 years for it, but do we have anything coming up from you? Well, yes, eventually. What <laughs> <laughs> that would be. But I can say I have been writing on novel number two for five years. Mm-hmm. So, oh my gosh. Maybe one or two more years. But I, I, I did a lot of things. I, I had a baby and I, I knew uh, collected works came out and so on. So, so now, uh, actually, I'm just right now. I just feel that I have started on it really. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm also thinking, thinking maybe I should write some nonfiction as well about uh, having children and uh, being a writer and a mother. Maybe I don't know. Nice. Yeah, please. So, there will definitely be a second novel and it, I fear that it will be a, a big one. Oh, yes. Beautiful. <laughs> Music to my ears. I never thought I'd be excited for a big book. 
<laughs> you've changed me you've changed me now before we let you go we always like to finish these episodes um in our debut spotlight series by asking if there are any debut authors that you would like to recommend to our listeners yes i have to think debut like contemporary or uh, any debut novel any any well then i think i think you should read actually the deb- debut of Thomas Mann. It's a big book, Hannah. You will not like it, <laughs> but it's worth it. I read it last summer. It's called Bottom Brooks, and it's a f- family saga as well. It takes place in uh, late nineteenth uh, century Lübeck, I think, and it uh, covers uh, three generations. And it's uh, it's a lovely book. It doesn't really happen anything. Go <laughs> on and. Uh, they did do a lot of but still it's lovely and it's, it was his first book I think I would recommend it <laughs> anyway <laughs> amazing like that Hannah loves the family saga don't you yeah, I do I do they love a family saga just big books do scare me but I am excited for for Lydia's next big book <laughs> I think it's um, actually at the moment only Hanya Yanagahara and Lydia now that I will forgive for big books. That is true. They're the only people we forgive. So that is, unfortunately, we have hit time and we have to let Lydia go, which is very upsetting. But Collected Works will be published by Pushkin Press on the 6th of April in the UK. It is out where else? is it out Lydia it's everywhere it's everywhere yeah not everywhere losers no I'm joking <laughs> but um yes all of our UK listeners get yourselves ordering a copy of this I'll be popping a link to order in the show notes so go get yourselves a copy don't be scared that it's a big book because you really 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 won't regret reading this and Lydia is there anywhere that our listeners can find you on social media yes on Instagram I just open it up after having a like hidden uh, Instagram for ages amazing so yes 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 <laughs> sorry you can find Lydia on Instagram. I will pop her Instagram in the show notes also. I, I just really don't want to let Lydia go. After that was it. It was great to talk to you. I had a real fun. Oh, oh thank you. No, I honestly, there is so much to talk about with this book. And I just feel very sad that I, like, I honestly could spend hours talking about it, you know, about the family dynamics and about the characters as individuals and their stories and the themes. And there's just, there's so much. It's really, really difficult to fit that into an hour conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for your time and listeners if you enjoyed this episode please don't forget to rate review and subscribe as it helps to boost us in the charts and if you would like to follow us you can do so at pair of bookends pod on instagram and at a pair of bookends on twitter and tiktok until next time happy reading and thanks for listening <laughs> goodbye goodbye <laughs>